Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Azizi Podcast. My next guest is Cynthia Conte. Cynthia Conte works for Ring TV as their lead on camera reporter and also for the WBC as an ambassador and correspondent that covers all the big fights, breaking news, and soon will be covering different sports. Cynthia Conte also is the hostess of 360 Promotions Hollywood Fight Nights. Enjoy the show, everybody. And we're live. Cynthia Conte, how's it going? Good. Good morning. I was just saying that it's very different to um, put makeup on in the morning. <laughs> I know. But, was that was that like a, a good thing or a bad thing? Were you like exciting to do the makeup or were you like, ah, no way, I, I need to do makeup again? You know, I haven't worn makeup in a while. Like, I mean, I'm not wearing like full coverage as, as I usually would for interviews. Uh -huh. I'm not wearing eyelashes. So that uh -huh. really like helped me. But it was just weird. I'm like, oh, wait, what do I do first? So, but, you know, mm -hmm. it just kind of picked up and I'm like, okay, I got to go. I got to go. <laughs> nice. It was interesting. And it's also Easter. So I don't have, I don't have anywhere to go. I have nothing to do. So I may as well look nice for Easter. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I, I was just, as I told you, I was listening to this, watching this uh, opera singer, uh, you know, performing and he was performing in Milan and in, in the cathedral. And they were, while he was performing, they were showing the biggest cities in the world. Oh. And it was just so surreal because, you know, Milan, New York, Paris, or Paris, uh, all empty. Like the, he's like singing this opera song and, and the streets are empty, uh, Times Square, just like a desert. Wow. And it's just like, so like, it's surreal. Like a I'm very... going to have to watch that. Yeah, it sounds so beautiful. I mean, I remember when Italy went on their lockdown, and you know, everyone would start singing in their their neighborhoods. The yeah, yeah, and I I want to say it was Bocelli that started singing from his balcony, and I was just crying. It was so moving, mm -hmm. but we can't do that here in LA. People will just be like, "Shut up!" <laughs> <laughs> you know, they they did that here uh, in Toronto, uh, which is pretty cool. You know, but instead of singing, it was like a DJ, and he was just playing playing club music. <laughs> I'll take that. <laughs> I'll take that any day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which, by the way, we just talked about, you know, you raving out on your Instagram. I love following mm -hmm. you on Instagram. You always post oh, the cool you. stuff. You're, you're really actually like leading a, a blog because you're, you're not just taking pictures. You're, you know, you're sharing the world. You're sharing with everyone through your eyes and you're just mm -hmm. narrating what you see. And that's pretty cool too. The, the funny part oh, was yeah. that you were recently, I, I think you, you bought a piece of, of furniture or something like that on Instagram. Oh. <laughs> And you were trying to assemble, I think it was a table or a chair or something was, like that. It was a new, my, my new desk since I had another desk, but right. it wasn't feasible. I needed drawers and this thing, it said 35 minutes. And I'm like, I have never seen that many parts for a desk. And, I've, and I used to own gyms. So I've actually put gym equipment together with my hands. Uh -huh. So when I saw 35 minutes, I'm like, okay, maybe an hour. Four hours later, no, I was like, I mean, there's parts of the screws that are, I still have. I'm like, I'm not even sure if these are extras. I don't know. But I mean, as of right now, it's holding. Not well, first of all, that Instagram, <laughs> that Instagram story was hilarious because it, it, just, it just basically did like the step-by-step -step of how you like, you're all excited about that. And then you're, you're like, you go through doubt. And then you're like, you're trying to like negotiate with this desk. And mm -hmm. then you're just drinking wine afterwards. You're just like, oh, again, yeah. In the middle of that. <laughs> it was, just it like, was like a bottle of wine later. I mean, what else are you going to do? Because... It was just because uh, they said you don't do not use any tools. Use uh -huh. the tools that we gave you. Yeah, they said, have those little oh, hooks, yeah. whatever. So I'm like, well, how am I supposed to screw this in? And I go, my fingers were cut. I go, no, 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 no. I'm getting my screwdriver, and yeah. I mean, or whatever it is. And I'm hoping it doesn't 
fall apart. But it seems fitted. I mean, I've stripped a lot of the, the paint off. But who mm -hmm. knows? No one can see it except me. Yeah, yeah. I, I went through this IKEA nightmare just a couple of months ago because I recently moved to this new apartment and I had yeah. to buy all the new furniture. So I got myself a, a first I got myself a bed and uh, and that was a nightmare because, um, why was it a nightmare? Because I didn't have any lights. <laughs> oh! <laughs> so I had to make sure that I finish it during the daytime because if I, if I don't finish it, I'm going to sleep at night on the floor. <laughs> oh my God, you didn't have candles? You know, no, I didn't. I just, I just moved in. No, I just moved in like really quickly. Like, okay, because oh, no. I just, I, mean, I just got to this country. You? It took me, it took me around six hours to, to make this, you know, bad happen. And, and it's sort of like, I struggled with it. And I, some of that I just finished by force, you know, without any screwdrivers. I just freaking mashed it in. <laughs> <and> it was, <laughs> I hope it doesn't break on you. <laughs> yeah. I hope it doesn't break. Well, you know, so far so good. So, uh, yeah. And then I got this sofa behind me and, uh, that one was, uh, was all right as well. But, uh, you know, it's it's kind of fun, but at the same time, it's kind of hit or miss. Yeah. If you if you because uh, IKEA is like, you know, you 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 better try it the first time. The second time is just gonna break if you you, yeah. know, if you do something wrong. Yeah, because at case, first when I got my desk, I'm like, maybe I should just go to IKEA, and I was like, no. And uh -huh. when I was putting this desk together, I'm like, damn, I should have just went to IKEA or just bought a writing desk, no uh -huh. drawers. But uh -huh. it's well worth it. I mean, it's it's so pretty. I love my little desk. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, you need to uh, put the finished product on the. On your I will. Story, so. I will. <laughs> for for I all will. the fans who are just like, you know, wait to see. <laughs> uh, wait, you you owned a gym? Yeah, I used to own two gyms. That's how. Um, I've always been in the fitness industry, my sister and I. And my, what was it, 2013? So it was 2012. I owned my first gym with my older sister. And uh -huh. my mom was, uh, she was dying of cancer. And so she gave us a gift. Uh -huh. She's like, I want, I want, I want to give you guys this money mm -hmm. to open a gym before I pass. So we mm -hmm. opened it, and it was, it was like a gym, you know, like a a, a twenty four hour. It had all mm -hmm. the equipment, and it had a boxing ring and a Muay Thai Taekwondo studio. So wow. I made sure the there was a boxing ring, and so it was like we had uh, spin classes, yoga, I mean weights equipment, everything. So mm -hmm. my mom ended up passing away and I was living in no, New York so at the sorry. time. No, thank you. Uh, I was living in New York at the time and to have a business with your sister mm -hmm. or any sibling is very hard on top of not living in the same state. Uh -huh. But, uh, and then my mom passed away. So it was just, it was difficult. And then we just wrapped it up and then we were selling off our equipment and the guy that was selling and buying it, mm -hmm. he was, he heard our story. He knew our backgrounds and he said, why don't you partner with me? And we're like, I don't know. I don't know if we can do it again. Mm -hmm. And, um, and my gym, it was big. It was like almost 4,000 square feet. It was, oh, I wow. love, I mean, I, that was like, it was a passion project. Like I yeah. put in hours, just, I just like looked at him, like I washed those floors, the bathroom, right, the gym right. equipment. Uh, but then I said, okay, you know, we'll think about it. And then out of the next gym, that's where um, Oscar Valdez and Abner Mardis trained out of. And then wow. after that, yeah, in San Fe Springs. After that, uh, we had to close that gym because uh -huh. the city bought us out because they're building more freeway. Oh, I see. Okay. Okay, we'll take money. <laughs> yeah, so, they usually give you a good deal. Like Yeah. And yes. so I go, I mean, they took out, it was like a, there were maybe like eight, nine stores around us. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, okay, you have to build, you have to build this freeway and you have to pay us. And then mm -hmm. after that, I was like, no more gyms, no more gyms. 
It was, it's, you know, when you work out in a gym, you expect to do certain things like clean, put mm-hmm. your weights away. Yes. And then as an owner, trying to tell people to do it, they look at you like that, that's something new to them. I'm like, really? Mm-hmm. Flush the toilet? <laughs> but, you know, I just, it wasn't for me. Yeah, that's so funny. So you've been in sports for a long time. Yeah, I've been in sports. Uh, you know, I, I, I did a lot of pageants, so I didn't grow up, you know, mm-hmm. playing. I don't even know how to ride a bike. Like that's just. Oh wow, that's that's a, a cool insight. <laughs> <laughs> I tried. I tried when I was sixteen, and I crashed into a car. But that's a whole other story. All right, now but, my goal will be to teach you how to ride a bike. You know what? I'm gonna go buy a bike because I see all these kids. I'm like, oh, that, oh, that. I'm so jealous. But uh, it's fun. <laughs> it is. It looks fun until you crash or you don't know how to stop. But um, so yeah, I've always been doing sports. Uh, I I did pageants also. So when I was playing volleyball. So- how did you do, like, explain to me more what, what pageant is, because I guess for lack of my English vocabulary, I'm not completely sure what a pageant is. And in my opinion, in, in my view, is this like a, like a beauty kind of thing, or what is it? Beauty pageant, so I was doing it since I was a kid, like maybe five. Like so you five. were one of, one of those little cute kids in the, in the cute dresses. <laughs> That's awesome. I always had, like, that gang of pancake makeup on, just smiling, always on. Because <laughs> I used to be a dancer. I used to do gymnastics. I used to do ballet. I used nice. to play piano and sing, like, the whole thing. Okay. And so um, we, you know, I just kept doing it. And I think my last pageant was when I was 26. And, oh, so you've yeah, been doing this for a while, huh? Uh, I would do it here in America and in the Philippines. And uh-huh. my dad and I had this system. I'm a middle child. Uh-huh. So my older sister was a singer. She sang here and in the Philippines. She had an album in the Philippines. And for me, I was wow. a pageant girl. Uh-huh. But I would sing. That was my talent. Uh-huh. And my dad was my stage dad. We, everyone had a stage mom. My dad was my stage dad. My mom didn't really, you know, she had my other little sister to take so care of. So what's a stage, stage dad or stage mom? Yeah, have you ever seen dance moms? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. um, okay, stage moms or stage. So stage mom is, they're all about winning a pageant, making sure you're on, you know, they're just neurotic, you know, uh-huh. you have to, you have to win or you have to do well. That was my dad. Oh, okay. I thought stage, oh, yeah. I, th- I thought a stage parent is someone you hire to, that looks better than your actual parents. So that on stage. <laughs> <laughs> I legit thought that. I just thought that. Was <laughs> and you like, I my dad was, be. and you said my dad was the stage that I'm like, well, I guess you're saying that your dad was very attractive. <laughs> No, no. So, I mean, I, that's, the, that's the way I grew up. Like my got dad, it, it. Okay. we were always competing. Like we we're always in competition. So I didn't have a normal childhood like majority of people. Uh-huh. I, didn't, I mean, when I did play sports, my mom and dad were like, Cynthia, if you break your leg or, this, you know, something. But I did it out of, dis- um, I despise, I dis- out of, what, what is that? Uh, to fight, like to spite out of my parents. So uh-huh. I would play softball, volleyball, um, basketball name and track i mean i did it all and then got it so yeah. about about the pageants though like i mean i understand when you're little your parents make you do it but i guess in like once you grew older you got into that yourself i guess i mean you always i'm assuming liked it you know, but like I loved what's, it. It was, what's exactly was, like the challenge about it because i mean uh, explain. Uh, exactly it's the challenge so i mean you know at that time it was like you had to either say a speech um, mm-hmm. answered questions on the fly. Uh, you can only practice so many things. You can practice your walk. You have to always try to be fit. Mm-hmm. You, you know, the typical patent stuff, but when it comes to using your brain, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, 
Can I curse? I'm not sure. I'm yeah, like, you can. Sure. Okay. I always have to ask because I'm a cursor. Um, I was terrified as shit, like every time, but it was always that, that relief. I did it. Either I answered well or I didn't answer. You know, I answered very well, depending uh-huh. if I won or if I placed or I didn't place at all. But it was, it's always been in me like to challenge myself in competition. Have you ever messed up like on stage, something went wrong? Mm, yeah. Like you, you no. just felt it tripped or something. <laughs> no, you know what? There is this, I had this memory. I was really young. I was probably seven or eight. Mm-hmm. And they said, um, it, it, it always recurs in my mind. It's crazy. You asked me that <laughs> they asked me something Oh my God, what is your, shoot, what was the question? And I, it was something along the lines of what is your favorite something, something. And I mm-hmm. answered like a fairy tale way. And I'm, it, and in my mind, it was like, I wish I was in the woods doing this and this. And then I thought about it after and I started crying to my dad. I'm like, daddy, I, I said the wrong answer. My dad said, what happened? And I told him, he's like, Cynthia. And I'm like, I'm sorry. And, but it was just weird that it, that haunts me to this day. And I was like, <laughs> did I, what, how did I answer that question? But I was, <laughs> I was young. I mean, you can't really put that much pressure on me. Why would you ask me a question like that? It was so deep. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, but what was it, What exactly was the question? Do you remember it? Oh, I can't remember, but I just, it was, uh, it was something like, what was your, what's your dream? Something. Uh-huh. And the way I took that, that question was uh-huh. in a different way that you would, you would maybe think the same thing, but mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I was fucking young. I was a kid. I didn't know. Yeah, yeah. But I was just like, I was in a forest and there was a magical uh, uh, fairy, so, like something like that. And the answer should not have been anything like that. <laughs> you know, that reminded me when I was in the first grade, my mom gave me to a, like a ballroom dancing school and that was me and like a bunch of oh. other my class. So I was like, a ballroom dancer or whatever. Ah, like, ballroom still? I think so. I can pull it off. Oh, uh, that's very good. It's very <laughs> sexy if a man can do ballroom. I know, I know. Especially like during some sort of a wedding or some event, all of a sudden mm-hmm. I'm just like showing some moves. You know, everyone's like, yeah. whoa. <laughs> and, and, and you know, like right now I'm totally cool with it. You know, I'm, I'm just like, yeah, I'm just going to do it. You know, no insecurity whatsoever. Like I'm going to show them some whatever. But back then it was kind of like, you know, I just, I didn't really want to do it, but I guess so. That, but I've been doing it all the time, and because all of my classmates, you know, their moms also gave them to the same school, so we we're all doing that. And then we had like a city competition for mm-hmm. ballroom dancing, and for some reason, on that competition, because I'm also comp- competitive by nature, but uh, I I thought I got it. Like for for those dancers, like I got all the moves. Like I thought I'm I'm like I'm getting all the scores. Like I got to the final and all of that, and and I was just like. And towards the end, there was like the final five or something like that. And, and I was like, I remember being small in the fourth grade and I was praying to God to like, I was like literally like praying, like, I got to do it. I got to get it. I got to get this first place. And I got the fourth place. <laughs> and how did you feel? I, break, I broke down. I was crying oh. so much in front of everybody, in front of all of my class. I just couldn't hold it, this emotion, you know, like this, I just couldn't hold my tears. It was just so emotional for me not to get it. Like I thought I was so confident I would get it and I just didn't. I understand that. Uh, How old were you again at that time? So fourth grade, I'd say like nine years, I think. Yeah. <laughs> See, we don't, I mean, you just know that you're supposed to win. Like yeah. there's no second best, third best, fourth, 
not best, you know, you you just know you're supposed to win. You're supposed to have that big trophy. You're supposed to have the flowers that, you know. Yeah. And just, <laughs> We're bringing up some old emotions here. <laughs> I'm like, I'm ready to cry. About it. <laughs> it's like we're going through therapy right now. Just going, <laughs> going, going to those, stepping into those emotions right now. Right. Uh, but yeah, like going back. No, literally, I, I just like, something just hit me right now. I'm like, I need to like, recover. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. Let it out. I mean, I, I need to, this like, is recover. what we needed. <laughs> <laughs> But okay, so going back to your like after okay, so you so you've been doing this until you were twenty six, and then and then I'm, I'm guessing after that you were you doing this whole the gym business and pageant at the same time, or you did the gym? Uh, after yeah, you, I did the gym business after, and so uh-huh. I was I was always working in a gym though. Uh-huh. So I was um, a group X instructor. I was a trainer. I was I mean I've always been in fitness in some sort of capacity because I mean it sounds so bad like I was much chunkier when I was younger, and people don't believe me. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't fat mm-hmm. I, I, and I don't know what people's definition, but for mine, it wasn't the right, you know, for me, cause I was always doing pageants. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I saw it and I was like, you know, at 13 years old, it's not very healthy to always be in a gym. Like mm-hmm. I've done every kind of diet, the cabbage diet, the beef mm-hmm. diet, like, I mean, but that's not normal. So kids mm-hmm. don't do that, <laughs> you know, do yeah, it the right Especially way. if you're 13. Yeah. And so it was just, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't starve myself. I wasn't any of that, but it was just mm-hmm. constantly like, I didn't look like the typical girl. Mm-hmm. And then from then on, I've always learned how to do it the right way. And just gradually, I mean, I, if I don't work out, something's wrong, you know, that's mm-hmm. why I'm very active all the time. Mm-hmm. So even being in a quarantine, it's very different, mm-hmm. especially like you couldn't go to the gyms. So I'm like, okay, I have, I have a lot of equipment, like bands, weights, my ankle mm-hmm. weights, name it, I have it. Mm-hmm. But not to be able to go running outside or on a track or on a treadmill is different. It's like, I feel like something's missing in my life. But I have a heavy bag, so at least I have that. Nice. Yeah. But do you feel like as, as a young, as a, as a little girl, do you think it was maybe too much pressure on you? Like, do you think what maybe it was just like unhealthy for, for kids to, to go through that sort of competitive uh, stage of life? But I, I know like a lot of other, you know, people say like, no, it's like, it was actually really useful because it, learned, yeah. it taught them a lot about life. Mm-hmm. How, yeah. What's your opinion? For me, it, I didn't know anything else because I saw my dad, I saw my older sister, like she didn't have, she didn't have a, a, a teenage, you know, typical teenage years. She was singing. She mm-hmm. was making albums. She was touring. She was in the Philippines. Like, so to me, that's normal. So mm-hmm. I, uh, for me, just if I saw someone, you know, playing out in the playground, I'm like, why aren't they doing anything? And I'm like, and it's always been set in my head. Like they have to have goals. And my parents have always pushed me to just be better than myself, always just create something. And, um, and now that's why the discipline always comes in. It's just kind of like, okay, just get your hustle on because you don't know what's going to happen. And for the people that don't know what to do when they're just, you know, they don't, they don't know anything else. Then I can see they might struggle and, but it's just, you know, it's just the way that people look at it when they're growing up. And for me, it's completely normal. And mm-hmm. I always said, whenever I have kids, I go, oh, I'm going to act like my mom and dad. Like they have <laughs> no choice. They're going to take ballet, dancing. They're going to box. They're going to play golf. They're going to have to learn several languages because that's what was instilled in me. I mean, I'm not going to say I turned out amazing, but I think I did. I, I'm doing all right. You turned out you know? really well. 
Yeah. So. Yeah, and when yeah. we're gonna talk about how you turned out and and what are you what are you doing right now and all of your achievements because I Thank feel like I, I don't know I'm I'm very impressed by everything that you do, and the more I'm in in uh, in the boxing and the more I'm in you know now podcasting and doing all this technical stuff I, I as i texted you yesterday like i really appreciate your craft right now oh, because thank I, I understand you. how I hard it. it is right now um okay so what happened afterwards you know once you 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 said you sold your gym to the government mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah <laughs> so i moved back from new york um i moved there for an a boyfriend at the time and i'm mm-hmm. back because of that ex-boyfriend and mm-hmm. I sat here, I'm like, oh God, you know, I went to college and everything. I, re- I, uh, I graduated radio, TV, film, communications. So I had my bachelor's. So that was always something that you wanted to do. Yeah. I've always known that I wanted to be in front of a camera in some sort of way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I always wanted to be a weather girl. Mm. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, in LA, there is no weather. So <laughs> I, would, <laughs> I would watch Channel 11, my favorite, Jillian Barbary at the time. And I'm like, uh-huh. oh, I want to be her. Like, that's the girl I want to be. She was cute. She was fun. And uh-huh. she'd be like, it's sunny. <laughs> you know? Because <laughs> we right, didn't have right weather. Be a chick. <laughs> yeah. And so, and I always knew that. I'm like, I just wanted to do maybe news, but something fun. Right. Entertainment, reporting. And I got the chance. I went back to school. Like, I went after my... After school, I ended up doing real estate. My dad owned, um, a, he was a broker. So I ended up doing that. And then, yeah, the market decided to commit suicide. I think it was 2000. 2007, 2008. I don't, wait, let's see. I'm going to age. So I'm 40. So I, when did I graduate college? 97, 98, 99, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Around that, 2000, 2000. Yeah, around there. So mm-hmm. I was, I bought a house in Vegas and I was selling property here in California and Las oh, Vegas. Wow. Uh, and I was doing, you know, I was doing well. My dad, I, I made my own percentage, my commission. Cause I'm like, uh-huh. dad, I uh-huh. have this thing with my dad. We would barter. So if I want to do a pageant or my dad want me to do a pageant, I'm like, daddy, then I want this. So nice. I was able to barter with him. I was very smart. Then you got a started. house in Vegas. I what? used to. No, 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 no. But this is what <laughs> happened. It, when the market took a dive, uh-huh. I had to sell my house, obviously, um, but I was able to sell it for what I bought. So I, I oh, nice. okay. and a lot of people I know, uh, they ended up, they all had to move out of LA because mm-hmm. LA rents got so expensive for what they were paying for in Vegas. So yeah. it wasn't, it was just a bad situation for everyone. I mean, people were squatting people. I mean, it was, it's sad. Mm-hmm. And I feel mm-hmm. like that's, what's going to happen right now today or this year yeah that's a i just had a podcast with a real estate agent and we talked extensively about you know the market around you know mm-hmm. around the world and in america and in canada so yeah. we'll see right now everyone no one's actually like panicking that's everything's gonna tank but no one really knows what's gonna happen oh so, it's gonna tank you think so we're going in re- we're in recession already but what about the real estate do you think real estate's gonna tank real estate is going yeah so it's the time to buy I mean, I hate to say it, for people who, who are sitting on cash or yeah. cash king, yeah. that's, this is the time you buy your properties. Um, you're not going to make a quick investment like immediately. You're going to have to wait for the com- uh, right. to come back. And for the people who have loans on their homes, your interest rate is going to go. Hmm. Are you, yeah. you going to get, get a property for yourself? Yeah. Maybe. I mean, I'm looking at, I'm looking at stuff, but I'm trying to, I'm trying to sell off my stocks right now. Like I'm like, shit, I've got to sell these off. Do you, how do you, how do you manage your portfolio? Do you have like a, do you, like you say you, you got to sell your stocks, but do you do it yourself? Like, do you actually, well, I'm just going to look and be like, 
okay, I don't have that much left in it. So I just tell, I, I think it's TD. I don't remember whoever I bought it from. I just, every time I see it's up and uh -huh. I'm like, Ooh, let me cash some of that out. But nice. now it's, it's not good. So I'll just cash out whatever's left in there and then just be done. That's so it. cool. So you do it yourself. So you, you just, uh, you know, you don't have a broker, you don't have like a company that you just manage. No, I have a, it's TD America, America trade or whatever it's called. Ameritrade. Right. But, but so, you do all the shots. You do, you do the calls. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, but I don't really know what I'm doing. I mean, I just, <laughs> I bought, no, I bought this stock years ago, years ago. Uh -huh. And someone said, you should buy this. Cause I was looking into Disney stock. I'm like, it's still too expensive. Like I can't afford it. I can't uh -huh. just buy like 10 stocks. Like you have right. to buy hundreds of shares. Mm -hmm. So I bought some in this other one. It's a tech company and mm. it did really well one year. I was like, holy shit. I'm like, let me take some of that money out now. Cause I don't know, you know, whenever it goes up, something comes down. So yeah. I took, I took yeah some money out, but that's <laughs> but this cool. time yeah this time I'm like I think it's time to just take it out and just just be safe. Yeah, yeah, I know mm. it's it's crazy. I mean we're we're seeing market goes back up right now, but I don't know for how long. Maybe it's just you know how they say like there's like a notion about stock market where they say when like and it's kind of a cruel thing to say. So basically, when the stock market is tanking, but mm -hmm. then it kind of bounces a little bit up. And then it just goes down again, but then it tries to bounce back again. They they called a a dead a dead cat that was hit by a bus, and it just <laughs> I didn't even know that. And, and so it just bounces uh, at, wow. at the, on the asphalt, like, like up and down, up and down. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I've been seeing it. I think it was. I don't know what it was. What it closed out on Friday. I mean, by no means, I don't know really shit about stocks, but <laughs> I just look at mine and I'm like, it's in the red or the green, and I'm like, damn. So I don't know if it, I I I don't know. When I saw red, I'm like, oh my god. So I'm like my mutual funds, but I, you know, yeah. nothing is safe right now. Nothing like, is nothing, safe. Nothing, nothing yeah. is safe. No, and no one knows. I'm trying to like, I'm trying to log into like any sort of like my friends or conversations or, or the, like circles that I'm in, like the, the groups, the stock market, the real estate and the common sentiment is like, well, cash is king and we don't know what's going on. <laughs> it is. I, I know a lot of people trying to pull out all their money and the banks are stopping them. And mm -hmm. uh, they're, they're like, why can't I pull out my own money mm -hmm. because of what's going on? And it's a panic, you know, God forbid something happens mm -hmm. and everything shuts down. You know, people don't realize when you deposit money, your money doesn't sit in a bank. People think yeah. that for some reason. I'm like, it's electronic, you know? Right, right. And they, they so. reinvested, they put it in, in action, the banks mm -hmm. themselves and then all of that. You know, when the whole quarantine started, the first thing I've done is I went to the ATM and I withdrew like a thousand dollars. And I, wanted oh, to have, yeah. and I wanted to have that in cash in my wallet, yeah. just, just in case. Just in case. <laughs> in case, yeah. like, shit really hits the fan and, like, we're going to all, like, <laughs> survive for our lives and fight and all of that. Right. I don't know. In my mind, this is, like, a weird post-apocalyptic, like, you got to run through some sort of a fence and you need to pay someone off. I'm like, I don't know what's going to happen, but I got to have I believe cash. the same thing, hon. <laughs> I mean, I watch way too many movies, but you know what? They base those movies off of something. Yeah. yeah just exactly. saying. Just saying. Uh, yeah. Man, that's ridiculous. But hopefully yeah. everything's going to be okay. Yeah. So going back to um, after real estate, I ended up, uh, I became a health coach in New York. Uh -huh. And then, because um, I was like, well, what can I do? I mean, I was in the fitness industry. Okay, so the real estate tanked learn. and you went back to New York? No, well, so real estate, I know that was before I moved to New York. Real estate tanked. And then um, I went to school. I went back to school uh -huh. just for like a class uh, at San Monica College. And uh -huh. I wanted to take, because I wanted to get an internship. Because mm -hmm. I couldn't get a job in mm -hmm. any TV station. And I'm like, internship is probably the easiest thing. Mm -hmm. And I took a broadcasting class. And I remember Christina Poncher was in my class. 
Oh, cool. Yeah. And so it's so it's amazing to see her, you know, yeah, it was just like, you know, she was working and I was working, you know, I was, I just did, I was a bottle service girl as a bartender, you know, just making, making ends meet. Mm-hmm. And I took the class. It was at like a four, three hour class every Tuesday or something. And I was like, okay, I can do this. Now I can get my internship. Mm-hmm. Sure did channel five. And then end up um, after a year, I became really good friends with the with my boss. Now he's my mentor. He mm-hmm. hired me, and you're supposed to be a uh, a PA at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. I production ended up, assistant. Yeah, a production assistant. I ended up getting hired as a AP, an associate producer. So I completely oh, wow. skipped a whole a whole job. Yeah. I had no clue what I was doing. <laughs> and the girl, my my friend Roxanne, who I took her position, she ended up becoming a producer, and now she's one of the big bosses at channel five, she's one of the executive producers who runs the uh-huh. show. She's like this little four foot 11 woman, big mouth, but she, you know, she's great. Uh-huh. And so I'm sitting here, I'm like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Like, I don't know how to, mm-hmm. so I had to really fake it till I made it. And I mean, I, he really taught me, a lot of people were teaching me throughout the way. Then I ended up becoming a segment producer also. And then, um, my boss, Scott Warren, he's like, so you want to be on TV? I'm like, yeah. Like when I did my interview and he's like, I had this thing I created drive five and I'm like, what's that? He's like, well, we're going to put you in a truck and wherever you're at, you're going to have a camera mounted on the truck. You're going to have a driver and wherever you're at, we're going to go live to you and say, where are you at sin? And if I'm stuck on, I don't know, the one Oh one, how do you find a way to get out of that traffic? Oh, so and, it's like a traffic report kind of thing. Yes. And I was like, with a cool angle. That's awesome. It was different. It was different, but it was, you know, I I remember a couple of times he would go live and they're like, okay, Cynthia, where are you at right now? And I'm like, I'm stuck on Laurel Canyon. And I don't know if you've been in in the Valley, Laurel Canyon. I mean, there's only one way down and one way up. Yes. And either you fall off a cliff. That's the only way. Yes. Yes. And I'm stuck in traffic. I'm sitting there like, well, I'm kind of stuck. There's nowhere to go, you know, and, and even the 405, I go, well, maybe you could take this. So, uh-huh. you know, when you're in LA, you learn every freeway and every route, everyone apparently knows the same routes as you do. Yeah. I remember I, I got a job in Los Angeles, but I lived in Ventura at that time and, okay. uh, it was in West Los Angeles. So, well, actually I was still on sort of a, on probation. I was like a temp. So oh, okay. they were like, okay, well, we're probably going to hire you, but we we're moving our office from Oxnard to Los Angeles. So I was like, it's okay. You know, like as long as you're going to hire me. So I had to wake up at 6 a.m. every morning and, and drive from Ventura to Los Angeles. Wow, it that's took me far. <laughs> in, the, in the 401, like 101 and then 405. Uh, <laughs> and then all this traffic, it took me, it, take, it took me four, uh, it took me two and a half hours to go yeah. to the office. And then from the office to go home, it took me, I think, one and a half to two hours. <laughs> Just so that I can get that job. <laughs> and I got it. So thank God. But I do not miss that traffic. That's for no, sure. and it just—it's worse. I mean, it's just the 405. They've always been building it. Every time, whenever I when I lived out in Santa Monica and all that, I would always see like they're still building it. And yeah. I mean, I grew up here in Los Angeles, so all those freeways. I'm like, they're still building it since I was a kid. I go, when is this shit ever done? I feel <laughs> like they're just—they're just maintaining, like fixing it. Because I was thinking, like, why don't you just freaking come up with some, you know, do like you know, thousand lanes or something? And and I think they're just not a thousand doing this. lanes. <laughs> They were going to do a double bridge, but that wasn't feasible. Um, 
and especially all the traffic going in and out, that's that's yeah. a main freeway. I mean, they always say the 405 is parking lot, which is true. It's true. <laughs> it is true. I feel like they're just not building anything because they're afraid they're going to start this trillion dollar, they're going to pass this trillion dollar infrastructure budget, but then Elon Musk will come in and say like, you know what, screw the highways, we're going to go underground. And everyone's like, that's a great idea. And I was like, well, we already passed this budget. So, eh. so I think that's what everyone's waiting for, some sort of a, like either automated vehicles or less vehicles or Elon Musk will save the day. I don't, I mean, automated vehicles as in no drivers driving your car. Uh, yeah. I do not like that at all. Yeah, but then you think you're you're at the party, you're drunk, you're just like you Uber, <laughs> Uber, a cab. That's true. That's What true. if there's a malfunction? I mean, you know, God bless Tesla, but there's a lot of issues with those, you know, cars. They yeah. Blow, yeah. blow up in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> I mean, they're great, but people have gotten locked in their cars like mm -hmm. No, I'd rather yeah. just drive. <laughs> yeah, so, but I, I, I do miss Los Angeles, and I, I don't know what it is, because, like, it's a weird city. It's, there's, it's, it's, first of all, these highways, and then there's this, the city itself. I remember my first time I went to Los Angeles. I, come from, I came from Kazakhstan. I, I lived in Santa Barbara, and I took a trip to Los Angeles for the first time, and I was so excited to see Los Angeles. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm about to see Los Angeles. And it ended up being just like, oh, well, this looks kind of dirty. Like, nothing. Really what, <laughs> That's what everyone said. What's, what's happening? Like, and then I went to Hollywood and I was like, whoa. I was just going to say Hollywood. <laughs> and I was like, okay. You know, like, and so my first impression was like, oh, okay, whatever. But then when I moved there and just that the weird vibe of Los Angeles, that's what I miss, you know, just that, I don't know, the party attitude or something. Something about it is really magnetic. It's, I mean, yeah, yeah. I think it's when. Um, a lot of transplants come there, you know, it's the stars in their eyes. It's like Hollywood and what you see on, on movies and shows, mm -hmm. like the show Entourage. Like I watched Entourage. Okay. <laughs> Is that what you thought LA was? Did you think that girls always rollerbladed in their bikinis? Uh, that's what a lot of people have that impression of what los angeles is i no. think well i watched Centurash while while i was already in ventura so i was like already like in grad school so i i went to los angeles several times when i started watching that show so i was like you know i, I understood like some things were over exaggerated but i think what really brought me an like uh inspiration about los angeles was a show californication on showtime uh-huh uh, <laughs> i love how you <laughs> that that particular show <laughs> David Duchovny. David Duchovny. And all he a his... sex addict in that show? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and 17-year-old me was like all inspired you know, to go. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. That's what you thought. Okay. I, that's a new one to me. Okay. <laughs> Look at you. You're like in thought about it. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was so just thinking about uh, it recently. But yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna have to watch that show. I haven't seen that in years. I know. In years, it'll make you think of California again. Yeah. Well, you know, I was I was supposed to be in in Los Angeles on the 30 on the 28th for Tom Loeffler's uh, Followed Hype Followed Fight Nights, mm -hmm. um, but unfortunately oh, yeah. that didn't happen. I still need to get reimbursed for my ticket. I need like to call insurance or whatever because oh. I couldn't get a hold of Expedia for like a month. And uh, yeah, I finally got to them and they gave me a voucher. To go back and I'm like I don't need any voucher I need the cash where's my cash yeah and luckily I insured that flight so they said like, just call insurance and you're gonna get reimbursed yeah <sighs> that's good that's why I always say you know what now I just start buying insurance because a voucher means nothing to me like mm -hmm. 
I, after this, I don't know if I want to travel anywhere. Not, I, mean, I sure as hell am not going to take a cruise any, any time ever, but a plane, you know, it's inevitable. I'm going to have to travel, but I, yeah. I, I, you need cash right now. Cause you don't mm-hmm. even know when you can travel. Yeah. So, the yeah. first thing I've done when this whole thing is like, Oh, like this is serious. I was like, okay, I'm going to go through my bank statement. What am I paying for that? I don't need to pay for. So I like, canceled a bunch of subscriptions. I called my utility company, like different ones. I got like a little $5 discounts on a couple of those. And, yeah. uh, you know, just like, okay, it's time to get serious. So yeah, uh, it's, it's hard. I mean, it's, it's, it's devastating to what's happening in the world right now. I mean, it, it's, it's so unfortunate. Just like the bills are stacking up for people. And I'm thinking, oh my God, like, mm-hmm. you know, what can I pay for? And mm-hmm. just, I'm like, luckily, I, you know, they always say that you save money from staying home, but I'm like, I keep buying shit on Amazon because <laughs> I have to now create an office. Like I need right. things. So I'm like, okay, well that could have been gas. That could, that, that could have been food. And luckily I don't really eat out anymore. I cook a lot because I'm too oh. scared to eat out. I'm, I mean, I've always cooked a lot, but I'm, I'm cooking even more because are you, of, are you good? I'm good. Uh, yeah, actually I'm good. I'm what, good. What, what's your signature dish? Uh, well, I'm a grilled goddess. Like I'm a grilled queen, so I can grill really well. I like grilled goddess more. Clean, uh, grilled goddess. That sounds like grilled goddess. Yeah, sounds pretty cool. Sounds like a Twitter. I had it on. I remember I said "girl on grill," and people are like, "What? You're girl on grill?" I'm like, and and and, you know, you don't hear it. I'm like, okay, maybe maybe not. (laughs) Grill grill, grill on grill action. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I mean, I love grilling. I love grilling, and um. There is one dish that I do make a lot. I haven't made in years. It was my mom's famous egg rolls. Like, oh, I, I love yeah. egg rolls. And they're not like the Shanghai, the, like the, the bigger ones. Uh-huh. They're like these mini egg rolls. And my mom taught the me little, her. Little cute ones. Yeah. And my mom taught me her secret. I'm the only one in the family that knows. And so my uh-huh. mom used to make them. And she was never a caterer. Like she just made them. Uh-huh. And people were like, can you make them for my party? And they would pay my mom. She's like, okay, whatever. And she would make yeah. me do it. And I was just like, damn it. But I'm so happy I did because I'm the only one that knows. And to this day, like before the year of my mom, 2013, we rolled egg rolls. I still have those egg rolls I rolled with my mom. That was Aww. the last time. Yeah. And I'm like, I can't cook them because they're old. But I go, mm-hmm. I can't throw them away because it's so sentimental mm-hmm. to me. Yeah. And so, but I keep looking at them like, I want to make some egg rolls, but it's time consuming. And they're, they're so good. Yeah. Only special people get it, but uh, I'm so hungry now. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> do you do you keep any diets right now? Like, what's uh, how do you or you just you know how do you usually? Are you do you have like a strict diet? No, I mean I used to have a strict diet, but it's just uh, it's it's even harder now that you're in quarantine because right. you just I, I I normally would just cook um, ground turkey and just vegetables, but at mm-hmm. times and I don't really eat a lot of rice, like especially being Filipino. Italian, mm-hmm. I'm just like, no, I can't, like, I'll get fat. Mm-hmm. But it's always been in, in my head that I can't eat rice. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I will, I'll, I'll eat 80% clean, 20% bad. But, and that's normal. Mm-hmm. Um, I love to snack. I love mm-hmm. chips. I love mm-hmm. candy. Well, you know, chocolate. And I love my alcohol. I love wine. Like, I love wine. And, uh, but, you know, yeah, who doesn't like, love wine? Some good wine uh, at the end of the day, that's like a given. It's a must. Or in quarantine, like the beginning of at the, the day. At the beginning of the, <laughs> <laughs> the first two weeks we're in yeah. quarantine, 
I, you know, I. You do not so, remember. <laughs> I know I do actually because I remember. So I was supposed to go to China for uh-huh. the top ranking. Oh, that's that's yeah. I think you told so that on your I, podcast. You mentioned yeah, that. Yeah. I was already in panic mode when I when I canceled that flight, and I'm like, this thing. All of China is red, and I remember the airlines was like, "Well, you're not flying into the epicenter." I'm like, "Huh?" I go, <laughs> "That." I'm like, wait a minute. Have you not seen China? They're like, well, no, no. So they wouldn't refund me. So uh-huh. I had the my insurance company on the other phone, like my house phone, mm-hmm. and the other lady from the airlines was just saying, you know, a specific like script. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay. So I finally put them both on intercom because I go, I don't know what to say. So they're both like talking and they're technically screaming at each other. I'm like, and I <laughs> and I remember I was having anxiety and panic attacks. I'm like, I can't go to this fight. For uh-huh. WBC, like it's right. 9 a.m. in the morning. I started drinking because it's like the death toll just kept rising, mm-hmm. and then Italy started getting. I was like, there is no way I'm going to China. Like, and so mm-hmm. finally, when I was able to get all said and done, they're like, it's gonna take um, five to six weeks minimum mm-hmm. for the refund. I still haven't gotten it yet from the insurance because everyone, yeah. the, um, they were getting refunds. They were still dealing with the hurricanes from mm-hmm. the from the East Coast. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. So it's like they're so backed up. Yeah. And I'm sitting there like, and I go, I'm done. I Nancy Rodriguez uh, from WBC. She had to mm-hmm. go be a judge. We're gonna go together. I'm like, I listened to her Nancy. podcast with you. That was, oh, that was, a, that was a cool that one. Was that was fun. That was that was, was first uh, one. Yeah, and it was so like it's, it was very meta. So like you could hear like that she's like learning on the way and like the new experience, and it was it was just kind of cute. Like I, I liked it. It was it was yeah. cool. And then, and then you you dived in into like some boxing themes and 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 women's boxing. It was pretty cool. I like I liked your podcast. Yeah. yeah, thank you. Her her uh, talk uh, talk ten things talk ten rounds with Nancy Rodriguez. Yeah, that's yeah, ten rounds. Yeah. Check it out. Yeah, it's, it's good. It's fun. But yeah, so uh, I already went through that panic. And so I remember coming back from Texas mm-hmm. after the uh, Garcia, uh, oh my God, what is, I keep forgetting his name. The one Mikey Garcia Did fought. Um, oh. oh, it's going to come back to my head. It's all right. It's not a boxing podcast. Right. Yeah. It, he, um, so I remember I was at Target. No, 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 no. Costco. And I just finished voting. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to go. It's like 1 p.m. I'm like, where's all the water? sold out i'm like what do you mean sold out they're like it's sold out in like 30 minutes i'm like what and i'm like and i already knew about this virus i didn't know it was this bad already and so i'm thinking i came to costco for water and i'm thinking this is weird so i just started seeing people's carts like full of like cup of noodles survival stuff survival stuff and i'm like okay i'm kind of like getting nervous so i started buying stuff i normally would never eat (laughs) But it's canned food, you know, uh, frozen foods, just in case. And then I bought like 20 bottles of wine. I was like, <laughs> you know, and I'm thinking it's not going to be this long. I'm thinking, holy shit. And, you know, for the very beginning of the quarantine, everyone's like, well, we don't know what we're going to do. So everyone was just drinking. Mm-hmm. You wake up, party, drink, go to sleep, wake up. And then it just gets really depressing. And mm-hmm. then you go through those five stages of depression and now we've already kind of accepted what's happening. So mm-hmm. I've completely laid off. Well, not completely. I'm sorry. I have laid off the like day. Dr- well, no, the morning drinking. Mm-hmm. And then I start like midday and then, and then cause I'm working. So, mm-hmm. and then at night, yeah, well, <laughs> 20 it's bottles. Fun. It's fun. Uh, uh, my neighbors are actually doing the same thing right now. I can hear them partying all the time and, I opened a bottle yesterday, just, you know, just decided to have some wine. I usually drink tequila. 
And uh, but the thing is, that's the devil. Ooh, that's the devil for me. <laughs> yeah, like how to say, everyone has a crazy story of his tequila, but for me, it's just like it was that kind of drink that I, I liked, and it's dietary. It's pretty good. It's like low in sugar, and and it's uh, it also gives you that you know strong uh, that buzz. Buzz, <laughs> yeah. And so I don't do shots. I I just uh, do tequila and rocks, and I drink Don Julio Blanco. Uh, so I just sip it, okay. you know, and just, okay. I just order it in the bar and just, it, it's, it, it's, for me, it's good. But what they do, like in Canada, you cannot buy tequila in Costco or whatever, like any store. No, tequila, really? No alcohol whatsoever. They have government, uh, the government owns all the stores that, that, uh, that, that sell alcohol. So you have to go to like a different store, a liquor, store. A liquor special, a specific liquor store owned by the government to get your uh, yeah. product basically. And so it, it's never comfortable because like. I, you have I would, to go to would, several stores. Yeah, you have to like do several runs, and I, I'm just too lazy for that. So I'm, I think I'm out of my, uh, how do you say, storage, like out of Stockholm, and right now. Oh, so. no, you have to make a run. You have to. Uh, it's an essential. Yes. It really is. It's an I essential. Mean, That's true. It That's is. why they still keep this open. Imagine they closed all the. They called LCBO. The they store, would. Right? That's that would be awful. I mean. Yeah. It, I, I don't, I don't, I mean, they have medical marijuana, they have mm-hmm. those essentials. So I'm like, if you're going to keep that open, you need to keep the alcohol open. Luckily mm-hmm. for us in California, we have it all in one, but it, on the East coast, they have stores like that. They, you have to go to a different store. I'm like, that's mm-hmm. weird. It's just, <laughs> I know I was, I freaked out about this whole alcohol thing when I first learned about it, but <laughs> until till this day, I actually never went to one. I always have friends buying me stuff. I'm like, Oh, you're coming over to my place. Can you like go to the LCBO and buy something? <laughs> So I still actually haven't accepted this whole deal, but you know, at some point I will do it. There you go. Uh, so let's go back to your path. I know. Uh, where, where, <laughs> Sorry. Where? <laughs> we keep going. Well, that is exactly. Well, that's, well, yeah, that's, so, that's so what I, I like. So, so you, okay, we stopped on the, yeah, well, on the traffic. traffic yeah. And then um, I remember there was a big fire in Santa Clarita. Mm-hmm. And my boss is like, okay, you're going to go up there and mm-hmm. you're going to just going to report what you see. And mm-hmm. I'm not even kidding. It was like, completely burned everything mm-hmm. was burned mm-hmm. and i was like whoa i'm in my like uh yellow like a, a, K- a, a ktla yellow hoodie mm-hmm. like you know the like almost like rain gear but it, it was um emergency wear mm-hmm. and i'm sitting here i go i was telling my photographer my driver i was like there's nothing and i report what you see i go it looks like mars this if i were to see what mars was look like it was black black uh-huh. And just not a house in sight. And it was freaky. And I was like, this is so strange. And I remember I was like, I have to go pee. I'm like, there's nowhere to go pee. So he's like, I go, just drop me off in the back. Just drive far up. And I just pop the squat right in the middle. There was no firefighter, nothing. But I'm like, this is, it was, I had to pee. I drank a lot of water. And so I'm sitting here and I was just kind of looking around. I'm like, this is so crazy that a, a fire did that. and um, so I did some traffic there and then I did some weather hits and, uh-huh. um, uh, and then that was it. And then I ended up leaving KTLA uh, and then the, I just didn't know what I was going to do. And I was just kind of like, and that's when actually I moved to New York. So I, I did KTLA oh, here. I okay. Then I came back and I was like, I need a job. I don't know what mm-hmm. to do. Mm-hmm. And my sister was a, a strength conditioning coach for Azat mm-hmm. Hobanisian. So she did, and it was very rare for women to be um uh, in the corners mm-hmm. so she worked with him 
and she was like, Sin, you know, why don't you just come to a golden boy fight at Belasco? Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, like I was in like a depressed mode, you know, I was going through a really bad, like a terrible breakup mm-hmm. and I just didn't want to be around anyone. And uh, so I finally went and she's like, just meet this guy, Dominic Burdeen. He does all the interviews for ring. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, fine. And um, I went and I was like, oh, boxing. I'd just like to see a live show again. I'm like, oh. And I met Dominic and he's like, come shadow me. So we went in the back for post-fight interviews. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, okay, go ahead, ask answer, uh, questions. I'm like, huh? Like, I'm supposed to shadow, not work. And right. I was just thrown into the lion's den and I just did it. And uh, and it was cool. It was interesting because, you know, it's it wasn't like ESPN. It wasn't like you're with a camera and you're with the phone. It was very, mm-hmm. you know, the new, new media. Right. So then after that, it was... Um, I went to the, what was that? The Chavez Jr., Canelo Chavez Jr., their fan. It was a fan thing and somewhere like off the freeway. I mean, it was incredible to see. And I was just standing there. I'm like, okay, so this is what Scrum is like. And I remember I did get to ask Senior, Chavez Sr., a question um, about there was a bet that Canelo and Chavez Jr. had for every pound he would, it was a million dollars or some crazy bet a hundred thousand or a million dollars was it a bet or a contractual stipulation it was a it was a bet on the side because we always knew that chavez is never going to come in on weight this guy and so and i remember i asked him that question and he stopped for me and when he and he you know he doesn't speak english really Mm -hmm. so when they said it he's like no i didn't hear about that he's like i better get to the bottom of that (laughs) (laughs) so that was like technically my very first interview but it wasn't really it was so funny because I mean, I got into boxing relatively recently, and I remember that fight. It was just like, what, 2016, 17, I think? Mm-hmm. That fight? Yeah. yeah. Wow, it's yeah. so cool to, to know that you sort of got into that at, the, at approximately the same time. time. Yeah. Wow. Well, because it seems like you've been there for a while, and again, because of your professionalism. Oh, that thank was, you. Yeah, and, and we'll talk more about it. But basically, when I see you, and I saw you working very, very closely, you know, with, uh, with different boxers and taking interviews and all of that, and... Uh, and then afterwards, being in the ring, you know, uh, talking with the crowd for Hollywood Fight Nights, mm-hmm. people think it's easy. Oh, but my it's, God. It's but it's not. It's you have to be on temp and you have to. And what you possess is the voice. You, your voice is just perfect for these kind of things. You know, it's just for, for the show, for the TV, for interviews. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I just, I just want more people to know that it's, it's so hard. And, it's and a lot doing, of work. Yeah. It's and, a lot and, of preparation. Yeah, I, I bet. So, so uh, tell me more. Like, so once you, uh, after the Canelo Chavez fight, and you got more and more into it, what was your big breakthrough where you thought, like, okay, this is it. This is what I'm doing now. Uh, so Dominic Verdine had to go to New York and for the uh, Thurman Garcia fight, Danny Garcia. So mm-hmm. he's like, um, "Can you cover me for Gennady versus Jacob?" And I'm mm-hmm. like, "Okay, mm-hmm. sure." So I met my photog, who is now my cameraman still, Danny. And he was like, okay, so I'm thinking, you know, I'm just doing it the way I normally would do it as news, like <clears throat> walk and talk and intro. Mm-hmm. And my very first interview was Danny Jacobs, Daniel Jacobs. And so right. I was in the ring and I remember Bernie Barmasal, I'm holding the ring mic. Like, I'm like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Like, I'm just standing here, like holding my mic like this. And so mm-hmm. Bernie was like, you with ring? I'm like, yeah, I have no clue. He's like, come on into the ring inside mm-hmm. the ring to do an interview because everyone was on the outside of the ring of the ropes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so it was just a couple of us and then so danny came through and then 
um, Abel came and then interviewing Gennady. And I'm like, so starstruck by Gennady. I'm like, <laughs> like, I watch you all the time. And I'm like, I'm actually interviewing. And this, this is so weird. This is a top I wore for, this inter- for that interview. There I didn't think about it. I love, cause I'm like, I love Argyle and it's Easter. So I just, wow, interesting. Mm-hmm. And so I'm sitting there like, just, I can't believe this. And then, um, trust and me, was, I, I know that feeling. <laughs> I, I know you do. <laughs> so, and then I ended up going to my first fight. I covered my very first fight in um, New York. I got credentialed Bernie. I emailed, I emailed Bernie and I was like, mm-hmm. look, I know you guys are out of credentials, blah, blah, blah. And he, he credentialed me and that was my first fight. And I've been, I've been hitting the ground sprinting the entire time. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Is it, is it hard? Because for me, like, I feel like it's so difficult to just, because you, you don't, you, it's not like you have to like ask questions and just, you know, be like a robot. You have to, you always have to be in the mood. You have to be in the, in that kind of, you know, in the zone. And when I, when I, in the zone, the zone, oh, did you, yeah, the zone. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> but yeah, so I'm watching you and you always have this passion. You always have this, you know, uh, you command this respect, right? You, you Cause I this, love what I do. You think I it's- love what I do. I it's I don't call it work. I I mean I love like researching them. I love watching their fights, and mm-hmm. I always have to read them. So when they're not in the mood to talk, right? I mean I have to like kind of walk on eggshells. But I'm like I'm going to ask you the question, and if you don't like it, then mm-hmm. you know like that thing with Gennady when I interviewed him on my channel. I was mm-hmm. like some people say you're acting like an asshole. People thought I was calling him an asshole. Like first of all, no. It was mm-hmm. what people were saying that he's acting like an asshole. I like when, that question. And I, it was a fair question and he yeah. answered it and he laughed. He was like, I like that. So, yeah. you know, it's just, you know, those are the questions that um, I push. I'm not going to, I try not to ask the same exact questions like everyone else because yeah. they get bored. Lomachenko, yeah. Lomachenko hates it. It's like everyone, I, all, like 10 people down the line. <laughs> so what do you, what, what do you plan on doing in the ring? Like you would get bored too. You so know, you like, have to be I very think, creative, right? And and I feel like they they hate it also because English is not their first language. So for them, it's just yeah. the same plain like uh, formula of the question, right? So yeah. they only see this as like, okay, this is the this is the question. Now I have to answer it, and for them, it's always the same. That's so yeah. that's they're twice as annoyed uh, versus like the native speakers, for example. Yeah, and it's hard. I mean, I remember because I would I would always interview Gennady in English, and he would respond. But I understand that when you want to say something and your English is not your first language, it doesn't come out the way it should. Like you're, mm-hmm. you're using different words. So it's not very authentic. So mm-hmm. when I had to interview Gennady, um, when at the gym, I was completely prepared. Like mm-hmm. Steve and I, Steve Kim and I were prepared to interview him and the, about the whole Canelo, uh, for the, it, he, he got, he got busted for mm-hmm. pets. Mm-hmm. They're like, you have to interview him in, is it Russian? Is it, or what's the language? Is it Kazakh? Russian. 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 Okay. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, oh, so the problem is that you can ask the question. I don't know if the lady's saying the right question. Like she mm-hmm. could tweak it and which he's responding. It might not be the same exact thing. So the mm-hmm. follow-up for me is very hard. So I'm sitting there like, oh, this is going to be hard. Like Steve Kim and I were like, oh, this is very tough. But, you know, it's just mm-hmm. like at the people who understand Russian, they'll, un- they'll fully understand what he's saying. It's more passionate. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, you know, and that's why Lomachenko even started doing that again. Um, mm-hmm. and I respect it, but at least they learned English, you know, like some mm-hmm. people, they don't want to, they don't really care to learn English. And I go, it's easier, but 
at least you have both dialects and you know i'm trying to learn right. russian it's just hard i'm sorry <laughs> oh my i just know nostrovia <laughs> that's well, it you have you should download duolingo it's really helpful dual duolingo, duolingo. it's an app like i'm learning french right now with that app wow uh, yeah, oh, yeah it's, it's, it's super yeah. cool uh okay. check it out and uh so let's let's talk about native speakers though, like the ones that actually speak English, and you you know you can actually for, formulate like a very like one hundred percent you know back and forth interview. Do you have any sort of strategy to get some great you know sound bites out of them, some great answers, so that they're not bored but at the same time engaged? Well, um, I you know they always try to find people. Everyone tries to find something that's clickbait, mm-hmm. and. Uh, for me, when I listen to what other people say, or if they're during a press conference, I always go based off what they said because everything I prepared, I don't prepare questions. That's always mm-hmm. the one thing that I don't do. I, pre- I mean, I overly prepare of mm-hmm. their their whole background. I write bullet points of what I would like to talk about, mm-hmm. and majority of times, I will never get to all of it because mm-hmm. they'll say something or they'll post something on social media, mm-hmm. or writer, you know, something. There's some something happens, so I have to now gravitate towards that mm-hmm. and um and then if i hear them answer in a different interview i'll say oh i heard you you responded blah 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 so can you can you explain why did you say that you know something mm-hmm. like that a follow-up to someone else's mm-hmm. so i it just it really it really varies and i just i'm always paying attention i'm always aware i mean i'm on my phone like always instagramming just of where i'm at mm-hmm. but i'm always reading i always have a notebook in hand i always have my pen always so I'm reading, but I'm also listening at the same time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's just, it, so it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's just, it's just, a, I'd rather be overly prepared than right. not, you know, them sitting there like, and it's just like the fun facts about them when I'm like, oh, I saw you like for Regis Progre. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, I saw you driving, you know, X amount of miles or your son going down the stairs. And he was like, and he just starts laughing. And that's, you know, it, it makes them because they're human. They're, they're just not mm-hmm. just a boxer. Like mm-hmm. they're just like me and you. And they love talking like that. Like I, I'm able to have a conversation that if they don't know me, I end up talking to them like we're really good friends. Right. And, 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 uh, and I think preparation is, I agree with you, truly the key for everything because you have to know what you are talking about. And mm-hmm. I know for a fact that boxers can spot if you're bullshitting very quickly mm-hmm. and if you're just trying to ask the question and get the answer and not, yeah. they do not respect that. But they respect if, they, they, if, if a reporter or a journalist, they know what they're talking <clears throat> about and they understand the context and the background and, and so on and so forth. So yeah, I mean, absolutely. I can it's I true. Agree with you. And it's weird because even though like I've interviewed Gennady several times or even Vasily or Canelo, I will always go back and write almost the same exact things. And just like, you know, I'll, I'll look at their wiki, even though it's not accurate, but I'll mm-hmm. look at their box rec. I will look at their, all the articles. I mean, I could easily just go back to an old notebook. I keep all of my old notebooks and just use mm-hmm. that. But I go it for me, the more I write everything out, I remember it. So mm-hmm. people are like, why? And I can't, I don't do notes on my phone uh, because everyone uses a phone. I go for me because if my phone gets stolen or right. my phone dies, I go, I have it on my pad. I have to have something reliable. 100%. Yeah. And so especially when, you know, when they say something, I quickly just write it in my notes and, you know, and I, I'll, I'll hold my notebook right in front of them. I'm like, well, you said this. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, and, and they're like, oh yeah. So it's just, that's just, for, that's always been me. I mean, that's just my, that's how I've always been learning all my stuff. Also makes for great optics, you know, when you have, you're holding the, that, that notebook in your hands. It's very old school. It's, it's, it's yeah. kind of cool, cool to observe. Yeah. 
Um, one thing that you're started doing in the, in the last couple of years is Hollywood Fight Nights. And uh, mm-hmm. how do you call, because the ring announcer is not the right way to say it, but like you're always there, you're presenting the fighters, you do the post-fight interviews. How do you call that in terms of like the... I'm a host, so host, okay. I'm a host, and so I'll, I'll, I'll open the show with, oh, not open the show, Doug and Kevin would open the show, but mm-hmm. I'm the host, and I would introduce Tom Loeffler, and I would set the scene of what's mm-hmm. going on, what's to come, and then um, I would do in- interviews either in between fights or during fights mm-hmm. of, say, like Michael Buffer, Michael Buffer or Bruce Buffer, of like, what are you seeing right now, or even boxers. Uh, mm-hmm. just depending, like sometimes I don't like to interview with them during a fight because I want them to focus. So right. in the way I would do it, I'm like, okay, what do you see right now of, you know, you know, whatever fighter, you know, did you think this, this kind of a fight would end up turning out into a slugfest, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. things like that. So I, I have to read them and I'll tell, you know, my producers or the man, you know, the stage manager or mm-hmm. the camera guys, I'm like, no, I'm not gonna, I'm not, you know, right. cause right. this is such a good fight that I'm going to take away from from the atmosphere of it all by right. standing so there like you that, to, you know? right you have to feel it you have to feel the yeah. the, the crowd yeah. first and see if you can uh, approach anyone yeah i actually forgot about that you it's not only in the ring you have to make sure to work outside the ring and it's such it's 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 a very fast pace because you need to be on one end if there's like a celebrity mm-hmm. you want to interview them you know it's just like yeah you have to think really quickly how did well, that come now, about well so that well, we started doing it like that. And then uh-huh. I would have to go interview them in the ring, the post fight. Problem is, is that I can't watch the fight while I'm doing something. So I can't right. really. So I made them say, I go, I'm sitting with Doug and Kevin, uh, uh-huh. do blow by blow and uh, color commentary. Mm-hmm. And so I would also do some uh, color commentary because, uh, you know, it was just kind of like what's going on. Mm-hmm. And especially I did so much research on them because I do fighter interviews with mm-hmm. the fighters before the fights. So when they're getting right. prepared, right uh, with the weigh-in as well. Yeah, the way like whichever, and so it's, uh, I, and I have to do like what twelve, fifteen. The, how many guys are on that card? Mm-hmm. It's a lot for yeah. one person, and I'm just yeah. like, and, and luckily some of them I already know them, but it's kind of like I want to hear what they have to say, and um, you know that I always say, well, your last fight, you know, blah 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 blah, blah this happened, mm-hmm. or this is your fourth time on Hollywood Fight Night, so you know things like that. But now since uh. I made them put, give me a chair on the thing so I can, I can also comment and follow the fights. Mm-hmm. So, cause I, so I can see what the hell's going on because I can't go in there blind. I can't say, so that was a really nice knockout. Like I'd like uh-huh. to be much more like, Oh, you threw that uppercut follow, you know, you were working behind the jab, you know, uh, he looked faded. What, you know, just, I ha- I want to be very, very distinct of what I see right. and what I can ask. That's amazing. You know, right now, currently in the boxing world, a lot of talk is about lack of content because there's no fights and, and different network, uh, ESPN, DAZN and, and Fox and all of those, they are getting criticized for not um, putting out that content for people to be engaged in, in boxing, even though there is no boxing. And during this time, you, you actually decided to provide that content to the people <laughs> and you started your podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd like to I'd, I'd like to uh, talk about that and how did that come about? Were you planning to do a podcast for a long time and what's the name of it and what is it about? Uh, yes, I've always wanted to do a podcast because uh, I've always wanted to do radio. And um, you know, people always say your voice. You have a radio voice. Also, I'm like, cool, thanks. And it just kind of happened that I when quarantine hit and I knew that oh, this is we're 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 it wasn't even lockdown yet. It was like maybe. 
through, God, when did this all happen? Like two, maybe three weeks ago that mm-hmm. I was, I, from the beginning of this, the thought, I'm like, okay, maybe I should just start my podcast because uh-huh. I can't interview people. Zoom wasn't in yet. Like no one really knew Zoom yet. Right. And, um, and it's really hard to ask a fighter. I don't want to keep asking fighters. So what are you doing during quarantine? You know, it's yeah. just repetitious questions. And I don't really want to ask, so do you know anyone that's sick? If that's, that it's, it's too personal because there's too mm-hmm. many people dying from it. Mm-hmm. I wanted to keep it fun, lighthearted, but also very informative. And the one for Bob Aram, I've had this interview thought of uh, two years ago, like oh. Bernie Barmasol. So the story with this, Bernie Barmasol. And, it's funny. Um, I just learned how Bernie's last name is pronounced. It's always, I just read it, but I never say it. How did you say it? it? How is it said? In my, well, I, I, I don't know. I trust Barmasol? you that that's, that, that's the way. <laughs> I'm hoping it is. Yeah, that's what I, I, I've always said it. But yeah, so unless I, <laughs> wrong. Sorry, Bernie. I apologize. No, but we were having dinner one night, me, Bernie, and Ron. Ron uh, was Muhammad, Muhammad Ali's former lawyer. You've seen him. You've met him. I think oh, yeah. Was, yeah, you know, yeah. So I didn't know that he was his lawyer, though. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I think it was, and I, I think it was formerly Gennady's. I can't remember, but uh, we went to dinner one night because it was there was no food after, and I'm like, I'm starving, like starving. Mm-hmm. And so we ended up going to dinner across the street, and we were just chatting and then, you know, just asking about what's going on. And then mm-hmm. I said, they're like, so Sin, what do you want to do next? I'm like, I really want this interview with, uh, with Bob. Uh-huh. And I go, I just want something different. And, I, and they were saying things like, oh, you know, he was a lawyer. I'm like, yeah. And then they're like, you know, he worked for Kennedy's. So I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, he's like, I go, I knew he was very political. I didn't know to the extent. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and I'm like, and then I go, I wonder how he met Ali. Like, you know, thing, those were the things that were happening. Mm-hmm. And uh, then it was like, how did, how did a deal get made? There were no mm-hmm. fax machines, mm-hmm. no cell phones, no emails. And so I'm like, this is like the question. I'm, I'm getting the chills because I remember this so well. <laughs> And uh, I wanted to do for my channel, actually, you know, sit down. But it was so hard to get Bob because he was constantly traveling. And right. he'd either be in L.A. or Vegas. And I'm like, that would require me to, like, hire people to fly out. And I'm like, that's, you know, the whole point, that's too costly. Right. So then fast forward to three weeks ago, quarantine time. And um, podcast, uh, what's his, uh, Jay Chandri from Break Media Productions, yeah. he put something out on Twitter. Mm-hmm. I didn't see what what was on Twitter. And I just said, um, oh my God, I was thinking of doing a podcast, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, let's talk about it. And I was like, I don't know how to do a podcast. Like I, I barely learned how to do YouTube. I mean, I'm still learning how to do YouTube. It's, <laughs> you know, it's, I just asked a 12 year old to teach me. <laughs> so right. they, and so when he was telling me and like I was bouncing off ideas, our ideas were just like, boom, boom, boom. It, it, mm-hmm. it was it was so quick that, I mean, I couldn't believe how fast. And I wanted to keep my, the real fight. You know, the uh, funny thing is he's also from Toronto. And we just recorded a podcast yeah. with him a couple of days ago. So he's, uh, yeah. he's in the books as well. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah. He told me that he talked to you. So that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. You know, so he's, he's, he's so creative. Yeah. And it was just, it was crazy that like, he's like, send me your thing. And I'm thinking, you know, like, give it some time. And he's like, okay, send it, send it. I was like, oh shit. Like, okay. Mm-hmm. So he was, he's like, send me pictures. I go, I don't have pictures of myself. Like mm-hmm. I was have pictures with other people. Mm-hmm. So I would have to ask like Lena Baker, um, any photographers. I go, do you have any pictures of me? Like, it sounds weird because mm-hmm. I just don't take 
professional pictures because I'm always taking pictures of other people or me and other, you know, stuff. Right. So I eventually got that and he made this logo and I was like, oh, yes, no. And I mean, within like two days, it was done. Mm -hmm. And then he's like, get on Anchor, which I already was on because of uh, Nancy. Mm -hmm. So she's like, we'll learn how to do a podcast together. So we were learning when she was recording hers. We we're, we we're teaching ourselves like that day. Mm -hmm. And after that, um, we got that. He's like, write your list of your guests. So I had, I had my list going. I have like an ongoing list who I've um, texted, who I've asked, their PR people. And then Bob Aram came to mind. I'm like, that's my first guest. Like, mm -hmm. please, please, please. And um, in the store, in my podcast, I really wanted, so if you notice, the real fight is not just boxing. And I wanted to do it like that. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to pigeonhole myself into just fights. I wanted to pigeon, I mean, I wanted to be very broad. Like if you're struggling with cancer or you almost died, like some crazy shit that happened mm -hmm. to you. Mm -hmm. That's your story. You, everyone has a story. And so Bob Aram, I'm like, this is the one. So I text, I text him and mm -hmm. I remember he's like, all right, fuck. Yeah. I'm fucking, I'm just so fucking bored of this inactivity. Hurry up and get your podcast done and call me. I was like, okay. <laughs> so when I told Jay, I go, Did he actually dropped the F-bombs in your text. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, that's how this, yeah, yeah. Oh Yeah. And I mean, he's Bob, the Bob father is the Bob father. And mm -hmm. when I told him my spiel, I was like, cursing is highly encouraged. I go, it can go over an hour. You know, it just depends. Like, and that's when it turned into an audio series because mm -hmm. with him, it was such a story that I wanted people, since you visually can't see it, I wanted you to visually see it in your head since mm -hmm. you can't visually see it like this. Right. And so when, you know, Jay and I were talking about it and he's like, I'm going to, I'm going to, I want to, I want to work on this with you because he was just going to help me like get my shit set up. Right. But he, he knew that this was a, this is a mega guest. And I'm like, mm -hmm. hell yeah, we co-produce it together. I mm -hmm. do the whole storyline. He does all the audio stuff mm -hmm. and we just bounced off of it. And the way we even got the title, I'm not even kidding you in like five minutes. It was just like, I saw the screenshot of your texts, how yeah. you guys came up with the thing. It was pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. Very, so very 88, behind the scenes. 88 for um, 88 years old. Right. and hustle because he's still hustling at this age at 88 crazy, crazy and 88 that. and hustle because he's from new york so they sound like cross street yeah so we're like done done i'm like wow i it was like this 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 it was so the 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 adrenaline i was like oh, mm -hmm. oh god i'm like i can't believe we just got a title like i can't believe i have a podcast i like i can't i can't believe it just you know i can't believe it that's awesome so, yeah when he when bob said well when do you want to interview he wasn't answering me i was like shit he hasn't responded he hasn't responded and jay was like oh shit and he didn't have an anchor app he mm -hmm. didn't i was like so do you know this he's like no do you know skype no do you know i was like oh my god so we went we had to go old school and i'm thinking okay we figured it out so how did you record it uh through my i, I called him on my phone and I put my phone close to my computer, to the speakers, and I interviewed it through QuickTime. Got it. So it was a longer step, but yeah. it came out. Yeah, absolutely. And so I figure I go, if people are, you know, especially Wi-Fi is like, is bad because everyone's on Wi-Fi right now. Yes. So um, my second interview had a lot of sound issues. So mm. now I was like, mm, okay, maybe I just might have to go back to this one. But I also learned some other like, 
ways to fix it. Yeah, check out other ways. You know, if, if there's a way for, I feel like there's other things you can do. Uh, yeah. You know, even this Zoom, for example, right now, you know, audio is fine. Video is a little lagging because of the internet, but audio yeah. is so far so good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, that was great. I really enjoyed the podcast and I, what, and, I, and I enjoyed the production as well because it was something different. It was more of like yeah. you're, you're listening to some sort of an audio experience where there's like a... a, a so first of all, there's the, the, the theme. You know, you, you're, setting the, uh, you're setting up the, the time mm-hmm. of, the, of the era, right? What's, yeah. What was going mm-hmm. on at that time. And, and yeah. you're narrating that as well. And you're narrating it as an... As in, if like you know, it's a story time. You know, you're yeah. like, you're, you're diving into it. So like, it has yeah. it had the whole uh, structure and atmosphere, like an an environment of that. And then there was a, a soundtrack to that as well. So I yeah. guess that's uh, that's also you guys, you and Jay, were like coming up with that. So it was it was really an experience. Like you can see that it's a high quality production, and I really yeah. enjoyed it. It was and good. I, I mean, it was it was a lot of work. I mean, when Bob is like, I'm like Monday or Tuesday. When do you want to interview? He's mm-hmm. and it was like seriously he text me last minute and I was mm-hmm. calling his PR people. I'm like, I need to know. Like, I don't, I, I, mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm doing it. I had two days to do five decades. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I don't think I've ever been so stressed out and the anxiety and panic. So this was recorded in, in two sittings? No. So I had two days to prepare. Okay. Like I, so I know Bob Aram's life from now like from boxing on. Right. I mean, like, you know, from since I've known him, since I've interviewed him several times, Mm-hmm. But not about I w- I didn't know his current life, of mm-hmm. how he got into boxing, why he got into boxing, how he met Ali, and he, I mean he filled in. I mean he's such a great storyteller for him to tell about the mob and mm-hmm. how he met Ali, how he didn't even give a shit about boxing, he didn't even like boxing, like mm-hmm. stuff like that. I'm like this is incredible stuff. Like you exactly. know, I texted you before. I, I feel like yeah. this. This is definitely a contribution to the history, this podcast, yeah. because I feel like this will be used in, for, with, uh, by boxing historians and just the historians of sport oh, uh, in that general. Oh, amazing. Thank yeah, you. So expect to be referenced in a lot of history books. That, that's oh. like 100% you know, certain oh, about that. Oh, I want to cry. Look at all my <laughs> Now, it, you know, it was a big passion project for me. Like I've been wanting to do this and for it to come to fruition after two years. Mm-hmm. Not in the way that I thought it would be, but it's better than I expected, like with a sparkle on top. Like, and I told Jay that I go, you know, if it wasn't for you to, you know, just, I, 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 I saw it and I'm like, Oh, I'll just ask him. You never yeah. hurts to ask. And, yeah. and he was offering, he, he was offering to help people out. I was like, fuck it. Why not? And it just, we made magic. And you know, it's like now I just now have a podcast. And so I, I did my second interview it should be dropping Monday. It's can not I an ask, audio series. No. Can, can I ask no. who that is? No. no? Breaking news. I'm very, yeah, I'm very <laughs> secretive. I'm very, I make moves in silence. <laughs> okay, okay. So when I dropped a podcast, they're like, oh, she drops me. She, and I'm like, well, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing yet. But uh-huh. I, you know, so, um, but now it was just like, I know the storyline. It's not like, you know, a typical boxer of blah, 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 blah. It's now that I'm, being very selective of who I'm interviewing mm-hmm. and I'll have the, you know, um, I'll have the differences. I'll have an audio series and then I'll have someone with a story and mm-hmm. then I'll, ha- you know, I'll have like anyone like, like Steve Kim, I'm going to have him. I don't know if he's had any kind of fight. Who knows? I, it might come out. 
it might come out. But you know, Steve Kim is always great to have on and talk. You know, he knows I, this is all something. His sports. <laughs> this is something that I, because I was thinking about getting Steve Kim on my podcast. But I'll be honest with you, I'm a little bit afraid of him. <laughs> <laughs> Why? I don't know. The dude is always on edge. You know, you know I, I love his Steve Kim. Steve Kim is like, he's highly respected within the boxing community and all my friends and I respect him a lot and he's a cool dude. And, and I think, uh -huh. I, I'd like to think that he likes me as well. Uh, but uh -huh. still, like, I feel like if I'm gonna like put him on the show, he's just gonna, I don't know, shit all over it. No, don't be scared. <laughs> don't be scared of him. Because he's generally, he's generally, he's not, he's not nice. You know, he's just like this badass. Oh. Like, <laughs> No, he is very nice. It's just that um, he just doesn't like people talking st stupid. Like, <laughs> you know, that, and, and there's a lot of stupid people that just say, say dumb shit. But if you know your shit and you, um, you know your sports, like if you're, if you're going to talk sports to him, mm -hmm. you better know your shit. Like you better know he's a big Miami fan. Like he lives and dies Miami, University of Miami. So it's, you know, he right. has sandals. I mean, the minute he can wear shorts, he's wearing those sandals. Like, you know, you just have to get, you know, I mean, he's like my brother from another mother, but he's fine. He's good. He's, you know, just, you should yeah. chat it up with him. Absolutely. I bet he, he's, a he's a friend of the podcast. He always retweets my, retweets, retweets my uh, awesome. stuff. Well, granted, yeah. I actually ask him to like, hey, Steve, would you mind retweeting this place for me? Yeah. <laughs> so I ask politely. No, and it's <laughs> fine. And I, and I love that. And I think, you know, at this time right now, it's, that's the ways that you just have to ask your fellow uh, mm -hmm. colleagues. It's like, hey, you know, they see that you're hustling. So, you know, it's, I, I ask people, can you retweet my stuff? Yeah, can you mm -hmm. retweet my Bob stuff? You know, it's just, yeah. why not? And I listen to that. That's how you learn. That's when you listen to their podcast, you mm -hmm. learn how they answer questions or what not to ask. Um, and sometimes like different topics. So I always find watching other YouTube channels, reading other people's um, articles and mm -hmm. uh, listening to other podcasts. That's the only way you're going to learn. That's, mm -hmm. that's your, that's your school right there. Absolutely. Yeah. Is there any chance your podcast will be published on iTunes? I thought it was, it should be. I just got a proof for it. Oh, so. okay. Cause I was looking for it a couple of days ago and I okay. it. It I was got only on Spotify and Anchor. Yeah, yeah, it should be on, um, I think, Google Play. I, I know iTunes just sent me a thing, so I don't know if I'm, like I said, I'm so new to this, so I don't know <laughs> if I'm supposed to manually do something now because I manually put it in and yeah. it says you're approved, so I don't know if there's another step next. Well, I think you're, I mean, as long as you did the RSS connection and I yeah. feel like you did, so I feel like it's good for now. Now it's going to be automatically posted, but double yeah. check that, you know. I'll double uh, check it. I'll yeah, double check I, it. I don't remember yeah. at this point. Because I saw it, I was like, yes. Because awesome. I put it explicit, and then he's like, "No, no, no! Explicit is like if you're doing like sexual stuff." I'm like, "Oh no, mine just has cursing." And he's like, uh -huh. no, "That's explicit." I'm like, "Oh, oh. you think cursing is not e sign?" That's I feel what like... I I thought it was. Yeah, because I'm gonna but... put e on this one just just in case. <laughs> yeah, just do it. Yeah, because God forbid a child is hearing me, and I'm like dropping f bombs left and right. Yeah. All right, it's all right, Cynthia. Such a great conversation. Honestly, you're so easy to talk to. Oh, thank you. And by the way, I see you have a picture behind you with another great podcaster in the world of boxing, Mike Tyson. Uh, that is Mike Tyson. <laughs> Do you listen right to there. his podcast? I love his podcast. Of course. Of course. Hot boxing. Hot yeah. boxing. I, I mean, I love his new uh, water dwink, D-W-I-I. -I. Oh, I didn't see that. What is it? Is this yeah. his product? It, yeah. It's, so you know how he has a list, like you dwink. So it's like drink, 
mm-hmm. but it's a water and it's um his product placement i'm like genius it's genius nice. i would love to interview him oh my god i would die yeah. i would i would die to interview like kevin Ayoli, you know kevin Ayoli from yahoo sports yeah, of course so he interviewed uh, Tom, uh thomas uh mike tyson uh-huh and he he sent me a picture and i was like <gasps> You're interviewing Mike the King, like, <laughs> mm-hmm. and I go, oh my god, I'm so excited, like I can't wait to see it. But it was mm-hmm. it was for written, mm-hmm. so he, I go, can you just tell him that I love him? I'm his number one fan, and I didn't know if he was live with him. I had no idea. He's like, mm-hmm. actually, I did tell him. I was like, oh my god, and that I had a dog <laughs> named Mike Tyson. So that that's a story with this one. It was back in 2012, maybe. When he was uh, his, you know, he had that book, Undisputed. Oh, yeah. I read it. It went on Broadway. So Mm -hmm. it did a tour on Broadway in New York. And Spike Lee was directing it. It was the last day of the last show. And um, I was doing a uh, meet and greet. I was the last one in line. And he was so agitated. And at that time, he was doing drugs again. But no, it was Mm -hmm. kind of, no one knew. And then eventually came out and said, you know, I fell off the wagon, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And he was just dripping in sweat in that shirt. And I was like, okay, maybe he's just hot from, you know, just mm-hmm. he's tired. Mm-hmm. And he, every picture that he took before me is like, like just not happy. And I'm thinking, mm-hmm. fuck, fuck, I'm so scared. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not like, I'm so scared. But I go, his story, you know, if you, I don't know if you, you've read the book, but if you've actually seen it, uh-huh. uh, the, the video, it's just, it's, you laugh, you cry, you, you every mm-hmm. emotion comes out. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm like, what do I say to him? Like, that was a beautiful show. Like, I'm so sorry about your daughter. Like, I don't fucking know. I'm like, mm-hmm. I love mm-hmm. you. Like, mm-hmm. and so uh, my ex-boyfriend took a picture with him first. And he's like, dude, he's so mean. Like, he was just not happy. I'm like, great. So mm-hmm. I'm sitting there. And the, they, they had to change the, the camera because you couldn't use your own camera. It was a professional photographer. Mm. So I'm standing there like this. I was like, what do I say? Like, say something. And he's like looking at me. I'm like. I have a dog named Mike Tyson. (laughs) That was the first thing that came out of my mouth. (laughs) And he's like, what? I "I have a dog named Mike Tyson, a black pug. I love you. And, and, and I go have a Twitter and an Instagram, Mike Tyson at Mike Tyson, the dog. And he's like, no, he's like, let me see. And I was like, give me my phone. I was like, Oh my God. That's awesome. I showed him. And he's like, really, let me see his Instagram. So I showed him and it, it, I, he still, I, I have never taken down my dog's my uh, Instagram because it's my uh-huh. baby. Uh-huh. So there's one with him so with gloves on, like wrapped around and just like, it's just always with Tyson. And he's just like, oh. And then I showed him the Twitter. I go see and I go, I'm too afraid to like put your at Mike Tyson when I post Mike Tyson the dog because like, oh, I, don't, I don't want you to get offended. And he uh-huh. just started laughing and he's smiling and Good. Thank God I said something. They're like, okay, we're ready to take a picture. That's when he's smiling. Oh my God. That's such a cool story. Isn't it? And so <laughs> I was like, I really want to tell Mike Tyson myself. Like, I don't know if you remember taking this, but mm-hmm. it was like seriously one of the best days of my life because everyone's like, I saw all their pictures. He does not look happy. And then I was like, he's smiling. <laughs> That's so awesome. Honestly, I'm surprised you still haven't interviewed him. I, I think this needs to be corrected. I've been dying. Can you guys help me out, please? Anyone in the boxing world? Mike Tyson, I love you. I love you. I just want to talk to you. I mean, I'll smoke. I don't even smoke weed, but I'll smoke with you if I have to. 
<laughs> like I even told Bob Aram, I go, I don't do edibles. Like mm-hmm. I'll do an edible with you so we can have a conversation. I mean, I've done an interview about edibles with him and it's incredible. He knows right. Yeah, right. Gold me. So yeah. Yeah, oh, thank you wow. so much. This is fun. Yeah, thanks so much for, for coming on, on my, onto my podcast. And, and again, it's so easy to talk to you. Like this, we talked for an hour and a half non, nonstop and mm-hmm. it felt like nothing. So I'm, I really appreciate it. And uh, how can people reach out to you? How can they fa- find you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at The Real Fight Girl. You can also check out my YouTube, uh, The Real Fight with Cynthia Conte. And you can also go to my new podcast on Anchor iTunes, which I'm going to double check. If it's not there, it's Anchor and Spotify for sure. It's called The Real Fight. And then with Cynthia Conte, same as my YouTube. And Twitter is at Cynthia underscore Conte. And you can also see my other interviews for Ring Magazine, which is Ring Digital YouTube channel. All the other um, interviews. And then 360. (laughs) All those fight nights whenever we resume. Right on. Cynthia Conte, everyone. Cynthia, thanks so much. Thank you. Have a great day.